Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard that group of boys, I'm going to tell you. They either need to be 
in the Delta or they need to be down on Bourbon Street because they can sing the blues like nobody else I've ever heard. I mean, if you put Eric Clapton and B.B. King and Johnny Lang and, and Robert Johnson and you roll them into a croaker sack and then roll them out, you're going to have the Teskey Brothers. These boys know the blues. So, so check them out, but you can't do it now because you're going to miss an exciting show. Now, for those of y'all that have been hiding under a rock, we have added yet another error in our quiver. We're now on Reverb Nation, and we are already up to over 3,000 followers on the show, and I've only had it up for a couple of weeks. People, I'm telling you, I don't know what y'all are doing, but thank you. It, I believe that this show has a reason. There is a greater purpose for this show. Bigger than me, bigger than than anything else, this show is bigger than all of us. So thank you. Now, there's two ways to get on the show, because I know y'all are saying, well, I went on the show, I want a piece of this pie. You can come on as a guest if you're an author, if you're an indie artist, if you're a painter, if you are a politician, if you have a platform, if you have a passion, if you have a cause, if you just want to talk. I don't care. You contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com, and I'll tell you how to get on the show. Now, if you want to be a sponsor for the show, it's real simple. For 30 days, I'll run your ad. And you're going to say, well, how much is it, Yvonne? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not adding it to get rich because I don't want to get rich off of it. For 10 bucks, 10 bucks, I will run your ad for 30 days. I will either run it as an MP3 or I will run it as a written word, and I will read it on air like I get ready to do with three ads that I have in front of me. And if I have to, because y'all know my husband is very, very ill, and he's getting, he is failing more and more each day, and if I have to reschedule a show, the ad goes with the show. So you're going to get 30 days. If you want to run it for another 30 days, you just I send you an invoice, you send me 10 more bucks. I mean, it's it's that simple. And you're heard in over two hundred countries when you add all of the podcasts that we are on and you add the listeners here on the show we're up to 200,000 listeners God's got a greater plan that's all I'm going to say so I want to I want to do our ads and then I want to introduce our guests because we've got a lot on our plate tonight Diane Moat, and if you don't think that Australia listens, Diane Moat's an author, and she has a, a series of books. It's a Sam Holden series. And a couple of months ago, she said, Yvonne, you're not going to believe this. My books just went number one in Australia because of this ad. Yeah, an indie author. Her books went to number one in Australia. It works, ladies and gentlemen. It works. But she has a, a series of books. It's the Sam Holden series and the first in the series is called Dog Gone. The second in the series is called Dog Fight. It goes like this. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect an animal, she'll be there. And she isn't giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster, known as the puppeteer, circles Sam's world while she unknowingly circles his. While they chase each other, will Sam put those she loves most in harm's way in order to break up the ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever leave. Don't go now. After the show, go to Amazon look up Diane Moat, Dog Fight and Dog Gone. Then there was a gentleman I had on the show not too long ago called John Isaac Jones. He is an author, and he lived in Alabama as a, as a young boy. And he has a collection of short stories, which I've read, which are amazing, called Alabama Stories. And he, they're short stories that he tells through the perspective of a 12-year-old boy. They are funny, they are entertaining, and they're, they're quick read, and you cannot get enough of this gentleman. John Isaac Jones, Alabama Stories. Check him out on Kindle as well. And Jay Traveler Pelton, I had her on the show a couple of weeks ago, an amazing woman. The hour went by way too fast. She has a trilogy out called the Oberlin Trilogy, and the first in the trilogy is the Infancy Conspiracy. And it kind of goes like this. In 2018, the Oberlins are a shadow family. The parents, Noel and Violet, along with their children, are very close-knit because, you see, 
They all work in the family firm. The children are supposed to take over the firm after the brothers return from their hitch with Uncle Sam so the parents can retire, but things go south real fast when a savage virus is unleashed on an unsuspecting public. Join the Oberlins as they set out to make the world a safer place. J. Traveler Pelton, The Infant Conspiracy and the Oberlin Trilogy, the first in the Oberlin Trilogy. Now... On with our show. Tonight's guest did not realize that I have booked this gentleman at back-to-back shows. Don't really care because we're not going to cover everything in an hour, and I am just so honored that he has taken the time out of his, his evening to sit with me for an hour. His name is Clifton Pettyjohn. He is an author, and he is also a speaker, and he is also a minister. He has served as an essential factor in both the religious and educational cultures for well over 16 years, and recently he has added influence in the culture of business to his summation. With guided passion, Clifton meshes personal life's lessons with practical and biblical principles to teach, train, and transform groups of divergent individuals. His unique skills, personality, delivery, and articulation serve at the foundation of the creation of a welcoming environment to those who are viewed as ne'er-do-wells. Clifton's view of purpose, life, and ministry far exceeds the norm. This is expressed through his execution of ministering equity to the total man. It is also comprehensible in his teachings, coaching, and consultation sessions, as well as his day-to-day conversations. He strongly stands on his conviction of urging people to live symmetrically through wholeness in all core areas of life. He currently serves as the president of Clifton M. Pettyjohn Ministries, a prophetic ministry hub which serves as his personal teaching, preaching, and outreach ministry out of Kent County, Delaware, where he resides. He is also the chief executive officer, I can't talk, purpose strategist, inspirational coach, and life coach at Clifton Pettyjohn and Associates, LLC, a wealth and affluence consulting and coaching company that specializes in private, corporate, and ministerial ventilation through speaking, coaching, and consultation. He is also the pastor of the Transformation Center, Inc., a faith-based community based in Trenton, New Jersey. This extension of ministry focuses on ministering wholeness to the total man. Welcome, Clifton. So glad you are with me tonight. Thank you for coming and spending an hour with me. Thank you so much for having me. You are quite welcome. Now, before before we went live, um, we talked for a minute, and, and I told you the show's not scripted, so I have no idea where we're going to go with this show. But what I would like to start out with is... As a child, did you see this as your purpose, or was this a journey that you took while taking another journey? Not at all as a child. (laughs) You know, I look back, you know, as a child sometimes, even as you grow and become a teenager, you kind of map your entire life out, um, Uh and that's the way you think it's going to turn out. However, as you continue to grow and mature, you realize that regardless of how well planned you may have it, that may not be the course of your life. So, no, this was not my plan. My plan was to graduate high school, go to college, major in mathematics education, return to my high school, and teach mathematics education. That was my oh. plan. That was the extent of my plan. Oh, um, my and that is not at all what I do. <laughs> okay, tell me how the detour came. <laughs> what happened? The detour came around the age of 19. Uh, I was away at college. My mother got sick. Uh, I had to come home uh, with her while she was sick. And while when I came home, a lot of events happened. Um, I actually met who I consider to be my spiritual father. Uh, he was he became my pastor at that time, and he just began to minister to me about different things that were, you know, connected to my life. It was like he was making me want more out of life and realizing, well, wait a minute, there is a greater purpose 
to my life. So I ended up staying home and taking courses at the local uh, college, but I also started working in the school district, and that's when everything completely changed because I went from wanting to teach mathematics education to wanting to work with children who have been labeled uh, or children that were in an intensive learning center, uh, those that had behavior problems that affected their academics, that's what I began to want to do. And then from there, I was introduced to a lot of young men and young women who were fatherless, so that all intertwined within my purpose because I grew up without a father as well. And as life went on, this is where I am today. So would it be fair to say, Clifton, mm-hmm. that when we're taking our journey in life, that even though our past experiences help shape us to become who we are, mm-hmm. they don't own us. We own them. And when an opportunity is put in front of us to change direction in our life, because I hear the passion in your voice for wanting to teach mathematics. Mm-hmm. However, that same passion was needed in a different direction. And when you embrace that, did you not find a peace within yourself? It was. I had fought it for so long um, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Um, sometimes we can become so molded and shaped in what we feel is the right thing for us that even if we feel a nudge to go in another direction, we're hesitant with it because it's outside of our comfort zone. And one of the things I've learned in life is that that's where your purpose really is. Your purpose is beyond your comfort zone. Anybody that knows me knows that I am not a person that likes public attention or like I don't like to be the center, quote, unquote, of attention. I'm the one that likes to push and encourage others. Um, Teaching was comfortable to me because I was teaching students, Uh, but there was a part of my purpose that was connected also to working with adults that I was not very comfortable with. And that's where, you know, those defining moments started to hit, and I had to take ownership of those things because until I was willing to face those things, they owned me. You know, they were my master. I became their slave. But then, you know, as time went on, I began to understand, well, wait a minute. I have greatness inside of me. I'm greater than that what this circumstance is presenting before me. And would it be fair to say that people in general, and and before the show you and I both talked about, if I didn't have my faith, I, I guess I would be either in the grave or in the crazy farm. But would it be fair to say that people allow their their circumstances and their past and the, the bad decisions that they made to own them and they use that as a crutch to keep from moving forward and becoming the person that, that is really within them because it's easy. It's, it's the easy road. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I was talking about from that comfort zone. See, I fought the purpose in my life for years. I uh, went on from working in the school system to working in the nonprofit sector where I was a director of a um, child care program, and I kept feeling a pull to progress beyond that, but I didn't want to move. I, I was comfortable with it. Like, I was – I was great at it. I enjoyed it. The children loved me. The parents loved me. You know, it was it was comfortable to me. It, it gave me my regular uh, nine to five, even though sometimes those hours were adjusted, but it was very good money. You know, it was what I wanted as stability. But um, one thing I've learned about purpose is that sometimes purpose will completely disrupt what you define as stability to show you that now that is a crutch. And now you have to move beyond it because everybody that's connected to you, they'll never step out beyond the norm if you remain where you are. You're in their way. And that was one of the things I I had to realize was I was in so many people's way. I am so glad you brought that up because that is Mm -hmm. so true. Yes. Is if if we don't own 
our destiny and or we don't yes. own our purpose, how can we expect yes. other people to own theirs? Yes. Especially when they look up to us. Like and and I've uh, in life I've learned so much about how sometimes people look up to you and you don't even realize that they're looking up to you, but they'll come five years later and tell you a story that happened five years ago that you didn't even realize had made an impact on their life. And I realized that, okay, if I'm going to, I'm coaching everybody and I'm telling everybody and I'm encouraging everybody and pushing everybody towards their purpose. And I'm still feeling an emptiness within. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you're doing all of this for everybody else. What about you? And it's okay to be selfish in that way. Yes. And that was hard for me because the one thing, uh, when I moved into business, business was hard for me because I had been in ministry. And sometimes when uh, I'm, I consider myself to be a um, literal person at times. So I take a lot of things literally. So in ministry, when we talk about being unselfish, in my mind, back then, that meant I was unselfish across the board. But I was called, you know, I was causing myself to miss out on a lot of opportunities because I was focused on everybody else. But also, that was a crutch as well, because as long as I'm helping you deal with what you need to deal with, I don't have to face and deal with what I have to deal with. See, I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, y'all all know that, that I am I am very strong in my faith, and I believe in divine providence. And what Clifton is saying is so true. Until we can face ourselves, and I've had to do that, and, and Clifton, mm-hmm. like you said, that's some of the hardest things to do is look in the mirror oh, yeah. and be totally honest with yourself. Basically yeah. strip yourself naked down to yes. the the sinew and say, okay, this and this and this is not very nice of me, but I have this and these and these qualities, yes. and it's a balance, and it's okay. Yes. And that's one of the things that I had to do as well is that I had to understand what true intimacy was, you know, from from a standpoint of my relationship with God is like I had, I used to tell people that I used to be one of the most religious people in the world. And I always talk about religion in the sense of I do it because I know that's what's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. And I mastered that, but I really wasn't connected to that. Like I wasn't really connected to some of the things that I was, I was doing. And one of the greatest, as Oprah calls them, uh-huh moments that I had was when I was willing to face myself and say, you're not even really connected to what you're doing. You're just doing it because it's a habit now. You're not doing it because you love to do it. And that was one of the moments that really set me free because I had to look at myself and say, and Cliff, that's okay. That's okay that you're not connected to it. Now what are you going to do about it? And it's okay to buffet your body daily Yes, to, to keep yes. it in check because we do get lazy yes. as human beings. We yes. get complacent, and mm-hmm. and sometimes we have to get knocked in the head with a two by four to to, to wake <laughs> us up <laughs> to say, Listen, "Are you doing I, this because tell, you're connected? Or are you doing it because it's a habit?" Because it's a habit, and and I found out with myself. I tell people through my twenties, I did a lot of things just because I felt like they were the right thing to do. And it was what I was supposed to do, but I still went home at night, cried myself to sleep because I felt empty and I felt unfulfilled and I felt as if I was fake. And would that be a true part of the reason that relationships fail? Because we get complacent in that relationship. We get in the habit of that relationship, mm-hmm. and we don't understand that that relationship is very precious. It's as precious as our relationship is to God, and we have to constantly renew that relationship with God and renew our relationship with with our family, our spouse, our friends, and people we come in contact with. Totally. I totally agree with that. And I can say uh, for me, 
I know that I messed up a lot of relationships mainly because I had no relationship with myself. And I tell people that if you don't have a relationship with yourself, then you can never really have a great relationship with somebody else. Yes, you guys may be together for years, but whenever it's a relationship, it's like a growing organism it continues mm-hmm. to grow. You both evolve. You both help each other become the best you, you know, that you both can be. But when you can't have a relationship with yourself, it's just going through the motions with them as well. And would it also be safe to say that when one moves from job to job, from relationship mm-hmm. to relationship, from place to place, mm-hmm. That what they're really doing is is trying to run from themselves because they haven't come to terms with who they are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which it's okay. You take your, your greatest weaknesses and make them your greatest strengths, but you have to first understand it's okay that I'm flawed. You said it, and you end up running in a circle because no matter how far you run from yourself, you're not going to leave yourself. You're still going to be right there. No matter where you go, you can hide all you want to, and it's going to still be there and still need to be faced. And I've realized that, you know, for myself. You know, I, I tell people that's the greatest. People ask me, well, what is it that, you know, that really helped me get to the next level in my life? And what is it that I'm missing? And I tell them all the time, self-awareness is the greatest. And I said, you know, sometimes – Culturally, we grow up where we, uh, in our family, you know, many times we have that Superman or that superhero syndrome. And mm-hmm. I tell people that super superhero syndrome can be detrimental to you because it will cause you to create this persona that everything is okay. And you never take the time to deal with yourself. And that's where I was. I was helping everybody. And people were being blessed, and I was glad they were being blessed. Uh, but I just recently went i went through a divorce a couple of years ago, and after I went through a divorce, I decided to go to therapy. And this was my first time ever in therapy, first time ever, because another cultural cultural thing is that a lot of people in my culture, we don't do therapy. You know, that's, that's what we're taught from a young it's age. It's a big no-no. You're, you're a man. You deal with mm-hmm. your with your problems and issues as a man. You don't you don't deal with that emotional stuff. But I remember um, my first session with my therapist, and he told me he said, "Well, usually it takes two or three sessions for everybody to feel comfortable enough to you know empty out a lot." And I my first session, I think I emptied out years. Just just I just kept going and going and going and going, and it felt so freeing. That I was like, whoa, I've missed out on this for years. And I realized that that's what was missing in my life. That was the missing element in my life was my ability to be honest enough with myself to face even what I called my darkest hours. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I, I am just so enthralled. But we got to take a quick break. Clifton, don't go anywhere. This is Off the Chain with your host, Yvonne Mason, and my guest, speaker, author, and minister, Clifton Pettyjohn. And we're having the most fantastic conversation. I am enjoying it. I am loving it. Stay with us. We will be right back as soon as we pay a few bills. Horses See Ghosts, a new poetry book by Gannat Wise. It's been called Poetry for the Rest of Us. Amazon. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit QuinnWildlifeArt.com for a personalized signed copy. 
Critics agree. It's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe, available at Amazon.com. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> Girl, you're so silly. You're silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. And we are back here on Off the Chain with me, your host, Yvonne Mason, and my guest, author, speaker, and minister, Clifton Pettyjohn. And we're talking about learning how to basically strip your, yourself naked inside and out and come to terms with who you are and and understand that we're all flawed. And, and Clifton, while you were talking about letting all that out when you went to therapy and, and just emptying that, that closet in your mind and in your soul, the one thing that came to my mind is, you know how we clean our closets out at our house and we, we clean them all out, we get them all nice and neat, and then if we don't fill them back up with something good and, and, and organized, it fills it right back up with the junk again. Correct, correct. There, There is, uh, even we teach this in ministry as far as with deliverance as well, is, you know, when you get your deliverance from something that's unproductive, it is very important that you fill that space with something that is productive so that it's not found empty and able to be filled up with the unproductive stuff again. And one of the uh, important things with aftercare for me was, and God, he really, as I said, as, as I've been on this journey, he's taken me through a lot of shifts, uh, and I've taken myself through some shifts as well, because I am not always the most obedient person, nor am, I, nor am I the one that learns the lesson the easy way at times. <laughs> Sometimes I understand I that. we learn lessons. Um <laughs> I, I'm not, and I used to be ashamed of that, but I'm no longer ashamed of that. I own that now. Sometimes I have to relearn lessons, and you know, through that journey, I found myself at times where he has left me alone. And I talk about that in the book as well. Is that sometimes we misidentify alone time as lo- uh, uh, lonely time, and you can't do you can't do that. You can't do that uh, because if you misidentify those two, you're going to miss some things in your alone time because you're so focused on being lonely. And, you know, my, uh, and as I said, I talked about divorce, and one thing about divorce is now you have to learn how to live on your own again, and you don't realize how dependent you have become on the other person even in times of uh, making decisions or, you know, just having them around until you go home to an empty home or, you know, you go to have a conversation and it's nobody there anymore. But that was also one of the most defining moments of my life as well because I began to maximize all that alone time and fill those closets up with things that they needed to be filled up with. When you were able to do that mm-hmm. and you were able to accept the fact that Clifton Pettyjohn was not Superman and that Clifton mm-hmm. Pettyjohn was flawed and still is mm-hmm. and yeah. that Clifton Pettyjohn has to relearn lessons, did you not find that the things that you struggled with the most 
um, bringing the past to the present, rehashing bad decisions till they were like beating a dead horse till it was mush, going the yeah. shoulda, woulda, coulda route till you were running around in circles like the tail wagging the dog. When you came, <laughs> when you came to to that realization. How freeing was that just to let that all go and say, okay, this is the first day of the rest of my life, and I choose today to be a better man? It was extremely freeing. It was as if a the weight was, like, lifted off of my back. When I realized, because uh, I was a person that thought that I had to answer every phone call, um, I had to take every conversation. I had to be at every event. I had to just run myself to death. And I, I saw something today, and I was laughing because I tell people this now, you know, busyness can be a distraction because yes. it may not be productive to your purpose. Uh, so, yes, definitely, it was a great weight lifted off of me, but it was also as if I went back to my childhood and had to relearn how to live life because I realized I didn't know how to live. I knew how to exist, but I really didn't know how to live or to thrive in life. So with that being said, the scripture that says learn to be still, Mm. there's a reason for that, is there not? There is a great reason for that because there there is so much revelation in stillness. There is so much purpose in stillness, and you can gain so much strength in stillness. But what happens to many of us is, is we have emotional ADHD or spiritual ADHD, and we just we we're so easily distracted uh, because of where we live at. We're in America. So, you know, a lot of things are afforded to us. Even some that may be less fortunate, we still have a lot of things afforded to us compared to other countries. Uh Um, So what I found out is that sometimes I had to learn um, not just how to pray, but even how to meditate. I'm a big proponent of meditation where you turn everything off and you are just still. Because I realize that we live such a fast-paced life that we many times measure our success off of other people. So because my brother is doing X, Y, and Z now, and I might be older than him, and I might not be as far on my journey as I feel he is, I have to hurry up and accomplish this goal instead of sometimes just being still enough to enjoy the moment that you're in now so that when you reach that next goal, you will appreciate the goal more because you'll remember the moments that took you to that goal. And and also in the meditation and the being still, it regenerates the internal organs, the skin, yes. the eyes, yes. the 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 heart, the lungs, the kidneys, mm-hmm. the pancreas, the, the the intestines, because it slows everything down, slows it down to a point that it can regenerate itself. Correct, and that's important. And I, I think sometimes we don't realize how important it is that we recharge or, or re- allow it to regenerate. I mean, we all have cell phones, and if our cell phone gets down to zero percent. We have to charge it, but I guess it also shows, you know, with the development of cell phones, how we are as well, because now most cell phones come with fast chargers. Uh Why? Because we want that phone to charge fast, and sometimes when we don't learn the art of being still, that's what we want to happen to us too. We want our life to be on that track of a fast charger. And and that's a shame. It is because I'm realizing we miss out on so much. We miss out on so much attempting to acquire something that may not even be connected to our purpose. True. And we miss out on, on 
we we miss out on conversations. We miss yes. out on seeing the sunrise. We miss out yes. on seeing a cardinal fly by. We miss out on relationships. We even miss out on ourselves because we're so busy, like you say, mm-hmm. trying to go around that next bend that we forget to have a child like mine and to just Correct. take our time. And and to take your time to get to know you, another thing that I learned from um, my moments of transition and, and even, you know, with the divorce as well is that I didn't even know what I liked. I didn't know my likes. I didn't know my dislikes. I didn't know what I preferred. I didn't know any of those things. Why? Because the majority of my decisions were either connected to another person or connected to a group of people. And it took me slowing down to be able to say, you know, I don't like that. I, really I just don't. went along to get along. I'm sorry? I said, you just went along to get along. Yeah, just went along, just going through the motions. But when, you know, as we, you talked about the being still, that, that is one thing that, that I believe that is one of the greatest lessons that can be taught is that you need to be still enough to learn who you are. Because and have I you always asked, tell people. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. I, said, well, I always I tell say, people. I'm going to let you go this time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. I always tell people that the essence of their purpose is found in the root of their creation, but you can't really get to the root of your creation or the purpose of why you were created if you're always ducking and dodging yourself. And that was going to go along with what I was going to follow up with is when we are still. You know how yeah. we get hit with a problem. All of a sudden, the problem becomes a crisis, and then the crisis becomes unsolvable yes. because our mind starts going yes. like a a top, yes. and it won't stop. And if we just stop yes. and slow down, yes. there is always a solution. It might not be our solution, but there is always a solution to every problem. Yes. And if we can solve it, then we solve it. If we can't, we forget about it because it's out of our hands anyway. Yeah, and we have we honestly have to learn that we don't have the answers to everything, and it's okay not to have the answers to everything. And I tell people that if you, if you come to me for coaching and I can't help you, I have no problem referring you to somebody else or letting you know I just can't help you. And that's okay. I don't have all the answers. You well, know, none and do you of us also, have all the answers. Do you also find, Clifton, that sometimes the people that come to you mm-hmm. don't, they don't know the questions, so they don't know the answers they're looking for. Correct. So when you start Correct. peeling back that onion, they get scared mm-hmm. because then they have to take responsibility for their yes. decisions, their life, their inner self, and they don't want to do that because then that means they got to grow up. Now, see, what you just said was was powerful because that's one of the things I tell people when they come to me for coaching. I have to let them know the difference between a consultant and a coach. A consultant's going to do the work for you. You hire them for your ex- for their expertise, and they're going to do the work for you. But a coach is going to help guide you in the right direction, but you must take responsibility and do the work yourself. Your coach can't go on the basketball court and play for you. They can't go on the baseball field and the football field and play for you. You have to take responsibility of what the coach has taught you along with what you've disciplined yourself enough to do in your own personal time, and now you take those skills, put them to work on the field, and see the results that you get. And, and I, I was a person that didn't want to take responsibility myself. I knew, I knew that at times. I did not want to take responsibility. I wanted to find a way to pass the buck. Like, and you okay, can't. I did this because. <laughs> and and what's did. so funny is at the end of the day, there's nobody to pass the buck to because exactly. you still got to look at yourself in the mirror. Exactly. Exactly. But when you but when you've convinced yourself that you can pass the buck, 
you will avoid looking at yourself in emotional, psychological, spiritual, all types of mirrors. You'll avoid looking in until one and day makes, you walk by a mirror. And that will make you a narcissistic sociopath. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm serious. Can I be honest because everything with you? is the, the, Yeah, it, everything is everybody else's fault. No matter what happens the funny in your thing life. About it, the funny thing about what you just said, we have a lot of people that are undiagnosed that. That are Yes, that. I know. That's my field, so yes <laughs> I am aware. And it, it's do. sad. It's it, it really is sad though. It, it's sad that that uh and I, I've watched it growing up and you know, I, I, I think about it a lot is that sometimes we and I've watched kids and their families interact and I think about even myself growing up is that sometimes you're taught that. You know, you are taught to pass the buck. You are you become a uh, more or less a product of your environment, but there comes a day when you uh-huh. can learn something new, you know, and it's up to you whether you continue down that same path and make those excuses or if you decide it's going to take some work and every day is not going to be the greatest day, but I want something different out of this. And what you just said was, again, a powerful statement. Every day is not going to be a great day. But Mm-mm. on the other hand, Clifton, every day is a new day where we can make new decisions, where we can change direction, where Correct. we can be still. Correct. And, and that's how you have to that. treat. You have to treat every day like like I tell people. I don't always believe in starting over because um, I believe that you have to keep momentum going, even if it might be slow momentum. You keep that momentum going, but. You get a fresh start every day that you continue from the day before, not where you're like, oh, I'm just going to start over. Because we have some people that just are always starting over but never accomplishing anything. Um, And I tell some people your greatest accomplishment is the day that you wake up and say, I have a new opportunity today, but it's all connected to my purpose. What I learned yesterday was connected to my purpose as well. And I'm going to continue on this journey and build momentum to my greater purpose. Yeah, because if you just keep starting over, you're standing still. You're not. Exactly. Going, you're getting in a rut. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you and know, I, you know what they, I, you know what they say about how you know a hole is, is dug too deep. How's that? You're standing there. You in quit. Di- you quit digging. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You quit digging and you're just standing there looking. <laughs> and, 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 you're, and you're looking up because you can't get out of the rut. Correct, correct, correct. And, and and when you're looking up and you got all these hands going, okay, we're going to help you out. We're reaching down to help you out. And you stand there and look at them and you don't reach up, then you're going to stay in that rut. You're going to stay in that hole. And you know why? Because some are still in the baby stage of, I know you're telling me to reach up to you, but I'm just used to somebody coming down here in the hole, picking me up, and trying to figure out a way for us both to get out of here. I don't want to do that work. I want you to solve it for me. I don't want to have to reach my hands up. You know, and we got to get to that place where we're willing to reach our hands up and grab for some things and go after it ourselves. I, I, another thing that I, I saw in in me was that I didn't really, I don't consider myself to have been much of a fighter for anything. Like, if it seemed like it was too much opposition to it, then because I was that whole literal person, it must not be from God. It must not be for me. Because if it's for me, it's just going to drop in my lap. And I had to be honest about that because I was never honest with that was my mentality as well until I realized, no, you got to fight for this thing sometimes. You know, you have to go and apprehend it sometimes. And you have to go knock on a door and open a door yourself and stop waiting for that opportunity to present it, excuse me, to you. Sometimes you have to go pursue it. Exactly. 
And you have to believe in the cause that you're fighting for because if you're just giving it lip service, then it's an insult and you've lost your integrity. Yeah, and that that's the key that I was talking about earlier. Where I just realized I was going through the motions, um, is that there was no integrity connected to what I was doing. And the funny thing about it is, you know, there will be people that will see you and think, "Oh man, you're such a great person of integrity," and they won't even realize you're just doing this out of service. And that was one of the things that I, I came to the reality with me is that um, that I no longer wanted to be religious as in sometimes people are going to see me mess up, you know, because that was a big thing for me. I didn't want people to see me mess up. I didn't want me to, people to see me because when I was younger I was taught that if you are a minister of the gospel and people see you mess up, that ends their life. But as I grew up and realized, wait a minute, I'm, that helps people realize that I'm human as well, and now they want to see what I'm going to do after it. Right. And and forgiveness you know, and it, is a strong tool. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and I'm going to tell you one of the greatest lessons, too, is learning how to forgive yourself. Yes. I was would you get oh. out of my head? <laughs> Listen, you know, because I found myself, you know, I can I can forgive a lot of people, but, boy, I could not forgive myself, especially if I did something that I felt I was above. And I remember, it's funny because I remember making one of the craziest decisions I ever made in life, and I was talking to one of my pastor friends at the time, and from a conversation with him, I was like, well, wait a minute. That might be pride. I might not be able to forgive myself because I'm thinking, because he asked me, he said, well, Cliff, if you saw somebody else do the same thing, could you forgive them? I said, yeah. He said, if you saw me do it, could you forgive me? I said, yes. Yeah. He said, so then you think you're better than them in me? And I was like, well, I never looked at it that way. But then I had to examine it and realize (laughs) I was, you know, so that helped me learn how to forgive myself because I could easily forgive other people. And then when you can learn to forgive yourself, mm -hmm. then you can leave it in the past where it belongs instead of wearing it around your ankle like like a piece of jewelry. And it's no longer your present because I tell people, as long as you're you're living in your past and your past still affects the decisions you make right now, you haven't let it go. Exactly. You know, you you it's still your present. It's still your present. And, and it owns you know you. that. It, yes, yes, definitely, definitely, it owns you, and you are definitely a slave because every time you get ready to make a decision that contradicts it. It cries out to you, and the voice is so loud from it that now you find yourself fearful and afraid to make that decision because your past has dictated to you what you're about to do and what you're not going to do. And when you when you can't forgive others, the only person you're hurting is yourself because they've moved it's on. Yourself. They don't care. But, and you, another thing I learned in life, too, because that used to upset me, when I couldn't forgive others, I would be like, well, don't they know three years ago they really (laughs) made me mad and made me upset and they did this to me and they did that to me when I was a child. Don't they remember when we were, we were in third grade together and I fell out of my chair and they laughed and I'm 22 now and I'm sitting here thinking about that and they've gone on, they're living their life and they're happy and I'm still thinking, and I'm thinking, God, you still ain't got him for that. That was something I had to let go. And and we you know? waste so much of our energy when we hold all of that hate and discontent and non-forgiveness inside of us, and we yes. we waste our energy, we waste yes. our life, we we waste being happy within ourselves because we are mm-hmm. filling that closet with so much hate and discontent. And then sickness, and I'm not saying this is always why sickness comes, because this is not always why sickness comes, 
But I personally believe that some of our sicknesses can be connected to where we're still angry, we're still bitter, we're still upset, we're full of rage. You know, I those agree. things wear on your body. And your mind. Yes, they do yeah. because the heart yeah. the, the heart sends all these things to your brain and your brain. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a well-oiled machine and you stuck a, a monkey wrench in it and it ain't happy. Correct, correct, and and your body is going to respond to that. It's going whatever whatever's going on in that mind. I always tell people that mind is more powerful than we give it. It is your yep. mind is powerful. You know, I personally believe that the thoughts that we allow in our lives many times manifest in our lives, and you know, you I tell people all the time, you hold all that stuff in, and. It, it's going to have to escape some kind of way, and sometimes it escapes through sickness. You know, you may you. find yourself where I'm not, I'm not lashing out at anybody, but you're hurting yourself. And you know. with that, you're not going to believe this, but our hour is almost up. Oh wow! <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I told I was you we'd go about that. <laughs> but you're coming back September the eighth, so we're going to pick it up yes. right here. Yes. Okay. Because we still we we haven't covered a third of of the things that that we can talk about and maybe if we help one person, Clifton, through these shows, That's just all one that person. To me. Exactly. That's all that matters. So, That's before we matters. run out of time, tell the folks where you can be found. And sure. The um, name you, of your book. See, we didn't even talk about your book that much. Right. <laughs> but we all were. We still were connected to the book, though. Talking about everything we were talking about, we technically were talking about the book. But so tell them the name me, of the book and tell them where you can be found. Okay. The name of my book is From Stagnation to Transformation. It is a 21-day coaching actuation designed to manumit purpose. Uh, I can be found. My website is www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. You can find me on there or on social media. On Facebook, you can find me at www.facebook.com forward slash cpventilates. Again, cpventilates. That's the same thing on Twitter. On Instagram, it's instagram.com forward slash clifton.pettyjohn. And he is amazing, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, he is coming back on September the 8th because I double-booked him, and again, Divine Providence stepped in and made this happen. Clifton, don't hang up before when the show goes dark, but I want to thank you so, so much for, for this inspiring, awe-spiring, I can't talk, vigorating hour. And ladies and gentlemen, you know that at the end of every show that I say some things, and one of the things that I say is people will forget what you look like. They will forget your name. They'll even forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you've made them feel. And it is daily my prayer that each one of you, guest and listener alike, understand that you're the most important person in the room to me. All 200,000 of you, you are the most important person in the room to me because it is because of you that this show is so successful. It is because of you that we continue to do what we do. And if if we can help one person by this show tonight, if we have inspired or vigorated, help one person understand that, that we all are on a journey, then this show has been a success. Also, if you inspire to be great, please stop asking permission because nobody's going to give it to you. You go out and you do it. You own yeah. it, and you make it yours. From a garbage collector to a rocket scientist, I don't care what it is. If you aspire to be great, just go yeah. and do it. Right, Clifton? Just go on the journey. I totally agree. And the journey could change, and that's okay. Yes, and that's okay. But take that journey. Take that first step. Live life today like it is your last day because we're not promised tomorrow. And and the life that I'm having to lead right now with my husband, that's how we live. We take today because the past we cannot go back and revisit. The future we don't know what it's going to be. So we take today. 
and we own it. So own today. And with that, I want to tell Clifton again how much I appreciate him being here. He will be back September the 8th. This is your host, Yvonne Mason, with Off the Chain. Tomorrow night we will be back at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time with author Stephanie Osborne. And I want to say thank you and love each other. We will see you again tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Join us and learn things, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, we say good night. We are off the air, but everything we say will show up in the archives, sort of like the outtakes on on the movies. But I did want to let you know that, again, how much I appreciate you being on the show tonight. It was wonderful. Oh, I enjoyed the conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome, and thank you for coming back on September the 8th. See, it worked out perfectly. I cannot (laughs) wait. We have got so much more to talk about. And when yes. I hang up from here and the show downloads, I'm going to put the link up on my page. I'm going to tag you in it, okay. add it to your website, okay. blast okay. it all over your social media. And then okay. tomorrow I'll do the same with all of the links of all the podcasts uh-huh. I put it on, including Reverb Nation. Okay. Sounds so great. you're going to be heard everywhere, my friend. That's, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for opening doors. Oh, listen, we're all in this together. I believe in paying right. it forward. And you, you have a message, and I think the time is right for your message to be received and accepted and leaned upon and worked with. Thank you so much. I received that. You are quite welcome, my dear, Thank and you. I will be talking to you. If not before the 8th, I'll be talking to you the 8th. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. All right, honey. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.